Hello, my friends. Brett Patterson, as you can see here, coming at you from the financial capital of the West, joined by my friends, Brian Hunsaker. Brett, Brian. what's going on? And the land up north. Land up north, from the land up north, Spencer Nelson. Good to be here. I, uh, good to be on the podcast. You guys kicked me off a while ago, but you guys welcomed me back. I appreciate well, it. Well, you've earned your way back in, <laughs> back in the starting rotation, Spencer. Thank you. It's good to have you. you. We're, we're trying something new today. Brian and Spencer are, are not at Iron Gate Global headquarters. They're actually at different locations. So we're doing this via Zoom. And so if you want to see the video, which I don't know why you'd want to see the video, but if you do, it's on YouTube. Uh, but anyway, we've got a great podcast for you today, and we're going to do round robin style, which we, we've never really done. And I'm just going to ask some questions to Brian and Spencer that are on the top of, the, uh, top of our clients' minds. Things that we've heard the last few weeks that have them wondering, questions that have actually come to us this week. Uh, from clients uh, that has them concerned or questions, uh, just wanting to know stuff. So the first question is this, and Spencer, this is coming to you, my friend. Okay, ready, ready. Throw There's it in. a lot of, I'm throwing it into you. There's a lot of political uncertainty still after the elections last week in our country. You've got uncertainty around who's going to control the Senate with potential after Georgia does another recount, a potential of two runoffs in January for the Senate seats of Georgia, which could move the, the Senate one direction or another, right? Red or blue. So Spencer, that uncertainty as well as the presidency as a whole, uh, what, 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 what should investors know about the political uncertainty in this country that still is there? Good question, Brenner. I think everyone did think, um, you know, as we talked with CPAs talking about tax complications or state attorneys or just from an investing perspective, it's like, hey, let's get through the election. We'll have clarity on what's going to happen. We'll go from there. And because things have been extended out, I've had a number of talks with clients in terms of, well, if the Georgia runoff goes, you know, till January, we won't know till January 6th, uh, you know, what what's going to happen. So, I've done a ton of research on uh, Georgia runoff elections. Uh, it's kind of been ridiculous, but it, it does matter um, because like you said, right now the Senate is 50 to 48 Republicans to Democrats. There are two seats remaining um, in the Georgia runoff. Uh, well, Georgia Senate elections. Uh, on the Republican side, you've got the Purdue and Loeffler. And then on the Democratic side, you've got Warlock and Os Osserman. Os Os Your listeners are going to have to remember it's Osserman or Osserfis or something like that. Um, both from the Purdue side, he didn't get 50%. Georgia it, it requires a person to get more than 50% of the vote in order to win the election. Otherwise, there has to be a runoff. And in that Purdue race, there was a libertarian that got like 2% of the vote or something. And so it looks like there's going to be a runoff. Like you said, they're doing a hand recount in Georgia. So potentially, I mean, Purdue had like 49.8, 49.9% of the vote. So if there are a few votes that got miscounted, there is a chance that the runoff doesn't happen in one of those races, the Purdue. I think that's highly unlikely. On the other race, for sure, that's going to happen. It's going to be Loeffler versus uh, the Democratic candidate. 
And uh, let me give you some background. Georgia runoff elections. Of the last seven Georgia runoff elections, only a, a Democrat has only run one once. Um, Republicans have tended to carry those things significantly. If you look at, we, we uh, I listened to uh, Goldman Sachs research report. I listened to Morgan Stanley research report. And then I, I went and did my own. And from a decision tree kind of odds perspective of the Democrats taking the Senate, um, meaning that they'd have to win both seats and looking at it from a probability standpoint based on history, it's probably uh, less than a 12% chance that they'll be able to take both seats. And in, in that situation, then the vice president is the tiebreaker. So it'd be 50-50 and the vice president, because it would be Harris, you know, would be the tiebreaker. So um, we think the probability is very high that the Republicans keep the Senate. And why does that matter? Well, a lot of the... Um, Oh, Green New Deal, uh, tax, you know, overhaul, filibuster, uh, filibuster and stacking the courts, all of these things that are getting thrown out there that, that a lot of people would say are more on the extreme fringes of what the Senate could do. If there's gridlock, obviously those things, if anything gets done, it gets tempered. And, and the market from an investment standpoint really does like gridlock in Washington. And so... Um, the probability, I think, is very, very low. As, as we said, we've kind of put it at less than 12% that the Democrats do take control of the Senate. And, uh, and thus, there's, what would that be, an 88% probability that you have gridlock in, in Washington, which leads to favorable things for markets. That would be an option that I would sell for sure, with an 88% probability I like I, I like those odds from a gridlock perspective. So even if there, I saw an, I saw an interview last night uh, from a the senator from West Virginia. He's a Democratic senator. Joe Manchin. Pretty yeah, and he's pretty moderate, and he said he he would not vote. So if there was a 50-50 tie, uh, he said he would not vote for a filibuster. He would not vote to stack the courts or anything like that so it's those kind of those issues i think are pretty much off the table even if it is a 50 50 and it went to a tiebreaker it probably wouldn't go a tiebreaker because you have at least one democratic senator that would not vote for those at least those two issues which is good which is gridlock's good yeah so, from an investment it, perspective gridlock like like i said you go back we like the fact Congress just fights with each other and they let businesses and the economy just keep moving forward. Which we talked a little bit on last week's podcast about, Brian. So as long as those Dominion, what's Dominion, right? Dominion machine counters, <laughs> the election, as long as the software is working, <laughs> the probability should hold true, right? Yeah, Why are you shaking yeah. your head, Spencer? All right. No, I, I, I just think... I, I think we can trust the process pretty well. And if, if anything is wrong with the process, we've got checks and balances in this great country that will uh, we'll make the appropriate adjustment. But I think we can probably plan, like from a probability standpoint, it's very, very highly, highly likely uh, that you will have a Biden presidency with a Democratic controlled house, not as much as it was, and a Senate 
that uh, is probably 52-48 or 51-49 by the Republicans. And from an investment standpoint, when we talk about gridlock, it, it looks like the, you know, the, the, the left agenda as far as raising corporate taxes and those sort of things might be off the table. It'll be, it'll be difficult at least to, to go to one extreme. Uh, and, um, and I think the markets are, look at that as a favorable outcome. Which leads to the next, the next thing I wanted to talk about, Brian, because two, three weeks ago, four weeks ago, right, everyone had these predictions about the election. When this and this happens, the market's going to do this, right? And I would say, correct me if I'm wrong, guys, but I would say 95% of the clients that talk to us about election kind of uh, predictions were very, very bearish, meaning sell my stocks before the election because all hell's going to break loose and I don't want to lose money. Right? Would, you, would you say that was the case? Yeah, I would. I I can re I do recall speaking to a, several clients that wanted even asked me the question: Should we just, you know, take some money off the table, or should we just get out of the market, and then we can always get back in later after this thing kind of settles down? They were really worried about, you know, the election outcome and what the the predictions were, and how that would affect their investment portfolio. And I think it was pretty much the consensus view that. Uh, that the market was going to go down, you know, after the election results. And of course, since the election results, the exact opposite happened. Uh, the market's up. It was up as of, I think, a day or two. It goes up around 6%. It's probably up around there. I haven't looked at it exactly. We were down yesterday and up a little bit today. So it's up around 6% since election night. We've also had some good news since, uh, since then, also uh, on a different topic, and that would be Pfizer came out with a uh, ninety percent effective vaccine candidate, which is big, big, big time news, and uh, market rallied, uh, especially those companies that haven't performed well, really rallied on Monday on that news. And those are the companies, industrials, financials, uh, those those kind of companies that are really economically sensitive, uh, rallied big time. And then, so it is, it's absolutely huge news that uh, this Pfizer and then there's other companies that with the same technology that are that likely will come out with a vaccine that's very effective and again there's dozens of companies all over the world doing the same thing so let's talk about this a little bit more because everyone that we talk to about the election and the impact on the market the overwhelming majority of them were bearish and to be fair it's been a heck of a year I mean, we were down 37%, then we're up, and these clients are like crying uncle almost, right? Yeah. I'm done. I'm done for the year. Just get me out. I can't stand more uncertainty. Well, do we uh, go ahead, Spencer? Well, I was, I was just going to say when you look at history, I mean, we, we came out with the podcasts that talked about when a Democrat wins the, wins the presidency from a Republican in the year in which they win, the market is generally down. And if you're looking at only the politics side of it and the polls was saying Biden would win and Biden is talking about increasing corporate taxes, increasing regulation, you know, doing these things, it makes complete sense why, you know, it, why the market would react that way, why you think the market would react that way. What's important to know in all of it is 
first of all, no individual is smarter than the market. And there are so many other data pain points going in, uh, you know, than just only politics. And what, what generally can happen is when we're looking at the market from our perspective, we're usually focused on these, these individual variables to find our reasoning instead of looking at the big picture. And the fact that Brian talked about the, the vaccine that Pfizer came out with a 90% efficacy, well, all of a sudden, the market could care less about corporate tax rates going to 28% because you're going to reopen the economy, you know? And so there's all these moving pieces. And if you're just focused on one thing and making decisions off of that one variable, the market is always going to be smarter than you. Yep. And that goes to what we were talking about earlier, Brian, about trying to predict what the market's going to do, right? So, so difficult. Spencer alluded to this. It's, it's very, it's, it's very complicated. It's, it's, it's not easy to predict what market's going to do uh, because there's so many inputs, so many variables out there. And it's just, it's really challenging. And I think it really takes, it's, it's easy to get distracted and take your eye off the ball and, and really focus on what matters. And what matters is what companies you own and do they have, are they good solid companies and do they have good long-term fundamentals and are managed by good people and reasonably priced. That's what really matters in the long run. All these other things, yes, they do matter, but what really matters, whether or not you're going to have success or not, is if you can answer those questions. I don't think there's, I don't think, you know, I used this analogy a, a few weeks ago on a podcast. Do you think there were, if, if, if you had a farmer uh, and uh, he had an operating business or an operating ranch, uh, do you think he was considering selling his farm going into the election because maybe some election result? Absolutely not. Same same thought process you go into when when you own a good business. You're not. It doesn't make sense to you're going to sell your business just because you know the, the upcoming election. It makes absolutely no sense. But yet because stocks are so easy to trade to get in and out of, and it's very low cost and. And, and it seems kind of sexy to maybe trade in and out of stocks. It seems like that is the thing to do, but it's absolutely not the thing to do if you really want to make money. We know what, we know what the data says about investor returns versus investment returns. And, and, the, and there, there's a big di divergence there. Investor returns are a lot lower than what the overall market does because investors, individual investors think they can time the market. They think they can get in and out and uh, they can get out before the market goes, goes down and they get back in before the market goes up. And it's, and absolutely they, it's, it's proven that they can't do it. It's a loser's game. Uh, yep. Yep. I had a, an interesting conversation with a cousin of mine who is a very big, um, let's say left-wing individual Biden supporter, which is great. Hey, that's totally fine. Uh, she, we were we were kind of communicating back and forth because she said, well, the market is up because Joe Biden is president. And there's a reason why I'm telling you this story. I said, no, it might have to do with the gridlock that we have or a potential vaccine. The fact that uncertainty is removed because of the regulatory risk. And she waited, you know, 20, 30, 40 minutes to get back to me. But then she sent me an article from the Wall Street Journal opinion page that supported her view. The market's up because Joe Biden became president. 
And I started laughing because Brian, this is what people do all the time. They look for confirmation for their bias, right? People that want to sell before the election, they come up and they say, well, this dude, you know, he said X, Y, and Z is going to happen and I should own gold and silver and a lot of rice, maybe a few helmets and some ammo and some guns, right? And so they reach for that confirmation bias and take action because of it, which is totally the wrong thing to do. I think a lot of us do that with a lot of things. But it was just interesting that people actually make investment decisions based on those confirmation or those biases, which then result in lower returns that you're talking about. Yeah. So this up here can wreak havoc <laughs> on your investments for sure. Well, I uh, Go ahead, Spencer. I was just going to say the other thing, the market does like clarity. It, it, you know, it, it does not like uncertainty. And there was I, a feeling I had going into the election that the market, I think, is going to go up if Biden wins or if Trump wins, just because there will be clarity. I think the market likes to know what it's going to deal with. And th so the fact she said the market's up because Joe Biden's president. Yeah, maybe because now the market knows who's going to be the president for sure. And it can move up. But it, it, once again, I, I think it is a fool's errand to point to things. There are individual situations when Pfizer announced the 90% efficacy, you could say, okay, that is why things are up. But why is the market up 0.9% today? You know, I mean, Joe's going to get on CNBC and say, this is the reason. Someone else is going to say that's the reason in this. I think it is a fool's errand to try to point, pinpoint why the market does things day in and day out. I think... That is like, it's just delusional and foolish to think you can find all the reasoning behind it. And what makes so much more sense and is much more productive game, maybe less exciting, but a much more productive game is what Brian said, is just focus on great businesses and own them for a long, for a long time. And exactly, it's, it's not exactly. as sexy, it's not as exciting, and it doesn't get the taglines that, hey, the market's up this because of this reason and all of that, but it, that that's a fool's game. I, I honestly, the more I'm, the longer I'm in it, the bigger I think those idiots are. <laughs> it's it's funny. You watch. Uh, yeah. uh, I, I mean, I watch my morning routine. Tell you a little bit personal. I get up every morning and watch CNBC. Joe, you know the Squawk Box with Joe Kern and Becky Quick and Andrew Sorkin and and uh, it's just funny. You know they don't they don't they never bring they always bring in guests to speak. And very seldom do they bring in a guest that, that says what you just said, Spencer. Just buy good companies and own them for the long term. Almost every guest they have on there, and it's, it's a and it's all day long. It's not just that show. Maybe if, about, we need, if, if we need more podcast viewers, maybe we should start making these ridiculous <laughs> statements that we know why the market's up forty points today. We know exactly yeah. why. Well, and and. They, they don't want people that say, hey, just buy good companies, own them for the long term. That's not sexy. That's not interesting. Exactly. What's interesting is saying, hey, this market's going to go down tomorrow. We've got a big correction coming up. Buy gold. Get your, Like Brett said, get your ammo. Or, you know, hey, the market's going to go, you know, it's going to rocket higher. And, and uh, they have these bold predictions. Th those, that's who they ask to come on their, their program. 
bold predictions. They're trying to get viewers. You got to you got to recognize it's yep. they they are trying to get eyeballs and viewers. And, 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 and long term, and you'll all agree with me here. Long term, do you know what's really exciting and sexy is nine percent, ten percent, eleven percent returns year after year after year. Which if you were boringly invested in great companies over the last 20 years, those are the kind of returns you could get instead of trying to time it perfectly or anything. Yep. All right. Next question. Important question. One that I've gotten a few times. Spencer, I know in a meeting uh, we were asked this question from a, from a pr prospective client. But if, we, if, we, if somebody gave us, either a current client or a new client, gave us a million dollars today, Brian, how would we invest it? with the market where it is right now? Yeah, good question. Uh, so we have a process uh, on uh, how we invest or deploy capital. And uh, we look at all our, our portfolio of companies and we have a buy price. We have a, a what we call intrinsic value. We try to buy at a discount to intrinsic value companies that are selling at a discount to intrinsic value. And so today, if, if to, the short answer is we'd probably deploy 40 to 50% of that money in the market right now some companies we would buy a full position based on where they're trading and their value and, and their discount to intrinsic value other companies are trading at or near and full value or intrinsic value we'd buy just a small position and uh companies may be trading between we'd maybe take a half or three you know half to three anywhere from a quarter to three quarters position in those those companies. And then when we see opportunities in the future, we always do, we always will. The market's always volatile, it's always unpredictable. We know with patience that we'll get an opportunity to deploy more of that capital if we can be patient and put more money to work. Uh, we saw that this, obviously we saw it at last March. We had clients that were in that very same scenario, were able, lucky enough and fortunate enough that we were, that they had cash on the sidelines because we were being patient and able to put that money to work um, at very, very attractive prices. So that, that, that's kind of our process and how we do it. And uh, we, we try to, we try to, we're, we don't blindly just put money in the market and just buy the, buy our whole portfolio. We look at, we do think price, the price you pay for a business does matter. And, uh, and so we just stick to our process. It's, it's a lot different than most advisors who immediately you get your money and boom, you're invested overnight, right? Ours is harder. It's hard. It's more work for us, but it's better for the client because we're disciplined with that process. And so for a million dollars, you say you'd probably put 500 of that to work, you know, right now and then wait for better buying opportunities in the next month, two months, three months, six months, 12 months, right? In, in March... In March, if you would ask me this same question, we, we would have put, you know, pretty much all 100%. that money. Yeah, put yeah. our we were getting flat or buy signals big time in March and April, um, and uh, right now we're we're not getting those big, you know, buy signals. But there's some things out there that we do like that we feel like make a lot of sense, logical investments, rational investments right now at these prices. Uh, but not nothing like what we saw back in back in March. The, but the interesting thing is these buying opportunities can come over the course of days, mm -hmm. right? And so, as clients, as you're thinking about or prospective clients, you're thinking about well, if they if they're saying they're only going to put fifty percent of my cash to work, 
maybe I'll just send them a little bit of money. Well, it's best so that we have all that cash ready to roll because the buying opportunities, I know the NASDAQ sold off 12% in the last month, you know, in the course of a couple of days, which allowed us to buy some good tech stocks. And so you never know what's going to come, but you have to be disciplined with that process. I, I was just going to say that I had a conversation with a client this morning and we, we had this exact same discussion and I just told them, look, we want to take care of every client that we possibly can, but if a window is, is small, we will put the capital that we have to work and we will try to get on the phone and have conversations with you to say, hey, now's a good time and all of that. But the reality is sometimes those windows last a day and sometimes they last a week, you know, who knows? And if you have capital in the account ready to go, we know we can take advantage of those opportunities. So if it's sitting Absolutely. in your bank account and you're thinking, well, I'm going to use it for investments, but I'm just going to wait till they tell me it's the right time. We're going to do the exact same thing, but it's going to be sitting in your investment account ready to work. There's a much higher likelihood that we'll be able to take advantage of that opportunity if it's in your investment account, rather than having to consciously be like, okay, I've got to call Bill, I've got to call Dave, I've got to call all these people to try to gather those funds and the opportunity could be missed. So yep. we're not trying to gather people's money or do anything. We're trying to do what's best for the client. And ultimately that is what's best for the client. A hundred percent. Think yep. about what happened on Monday with uh, the, the Pfizer announcement. We saw some of these companies that have really struggled and lagged behind this year, financials and industrials. And we own a fair amount of those, those, those companies. They were, some of those were up 15 to 20% on Monday. And they were, I would say that those companies were in our buy range. Those, those very same companies were deep into our buy range on Friday and Monday. The, the attractiveness sort of disappeared overnight. I mean, they're still, in some cases, they're still attractive, but not nearly as attractive as, as they were. It was on, nice when uh, you could buy them 20% cheaper on Friday. Right. Yeah. 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 Some of our stocks were up 15, 20, 30% in one day. Yeah. It was amazing. It was a good Man, it's about, it's about time they moved. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of the psychology, right? All right, last question. Over the next week or two, uh, what is on your mind? What are you looking for in the markets or anything else for that matter? Brian, anything on, on your mind that you're looking at uh, over the next one or two weeks? Uh, hmm. Good question. I didn't plan that. I'm just throwing that question at you. A Fibonacci? Uh, is there a Fibonacci? <laughs> yeah. Fibonacci retracement. I'll tell you what I'm looking for. About two weeks ago, my family and I, with another good family friends, we went down to, to southeastern Utah to a little town called Escalante near Bryce Canyon National Park. And we hiked through the most beautiful, beautiful slot canyons I've ever been. We hiked 22 miles in two days with, with kids that started to let us know we hiked 22 miles in two days. <laughs> but the one thing that stood out to me as it relates to to the question, right? What are we watching over the next couple of weeks? Is I saw probably for the first time the impact of a lockdown on some of these small communities. I saw family businesses that no doubt have been generations, right? In these families that were 
completely shuttered, right? I mean, cabins that people rent out that no one's renting, restaurants that are closed. It was, as my wife and I were driving through these small towns, it was crazy how bad the lockdown impacted some of these communities. So I'm looking for, now that the election is pretty much over, as Spencer talked about, I'm looking for to see what kind of stimulus comes down the pipe, right? These people, it's for the first time in this pandemic, I have seen firsthand how bad these people need assistance. And so I'll be watching that stimulus if we get it. You know, I hope it's on the smaller end because I am fiscally conservative, but I do know that there's a lot of people that need help. So we'll, we'll see, we'll, we'll see how that pans out over the next week or two. And hopefully something gets done uh, to help some of these people out there. So uh, Spencer. Brother, what are, do you know what I'm watching? Yes. Sammy Merrill. Sammy Merrill, Utah State Aggie, Bountiful Utah native, uh, NBA draft next Wednesday. Kid from Bountiful Utah, played at Utah State, actually has a legitimate chance. If we want to talk probabilities, I would say it is a, probably a 50-50 probability that he gets drafted, that he has a chance of getting drafted in the second round of the NBA draft, which with my basketball background, I, I that is, he, he becomes the 1% of the 1% of the 1% of the 1% to actually make it and get make it. And I, so we're cheering for Sammy Merrill. Oh my goodness. It would be so awesome to see a kid's dream. And, and regardless, he'll have a chance with a free agent contract or go to Europe. And that's the route I went and had a wonderful experience, but, but the, the gap between kind of where I was and actually getting drafted, that is a huge chasm. And if he actually get jumps over that and is drafted, that's one of the coolest things to happen to to, to a good friend of ours uh, in a long, long time. We'll have a party for, for Sam. Summer. And then he'll yeah. let you know how big that chasm is and how you fell short. Yeah. <laughs> Boom. That's exactly right. No, I uh, love it, it. it. It would be awesome if it happens. I love it. All be. right, Brian, anything, anything you're watching uh, over the oh, next couple of weeks that's on your mind? Well, I'm watching my poor Aggies, Aggie football. Utah State football. <laughs> they they yeah. play on uh, they play Saturday and it's 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 a pretty tough year. So I, I'm watching them and hoping that they uh, can show up on Saturday and at least put out a good showing. You know you're a true fan when you're still watching. Yeah, I, that's what I was going to say. You might want to wow. put a mask over your eyes while you're watching. <laughs> Plus there are. They move it up a little it's bit. A, it's been a tough year. It's been a really uh, tough year. I'm surrounded by Aggies. Spencer, Brian. That's why you're I in mean, we got an opposite. Better. Logan now, my wife, my daughter's at Utah State right now. You married into an hey. Aggie family. Hey, I'm hey. married into an Aggie there's family. Ho- go go Aggies. You, go Brad. Sammy. There's hope there's for you, man. There's hope for yeah. me. Yeah. <laughs> so go Sam Merrill. We're cheering for you. Yeah. All right, my friends. Good content today. Hope everybody finds that useful that's listening. Uh, and we'll be back at it next week, maybe in the same format or maybe here at the Global HQ. So we'll find out. Until then, have a great weekend, everybody. See ya. This is a purely public broadcast and is not intended to be personalized financial advice for any individual's specific situation. Each individual's financial situation is unique, and the topics discussed on this broadcast should not be relied upon and or considered as personalized advice.
Specific financial securities discussed are not intended to address any listener's particular financial situation and should not be considered recommendations. This is for educational purposes only. For more information, please contact Iron Gate Global Advisors at info at or by calling 888-591-0334.